Hello, and welcome back to Real Big Mistakes, where we reevaluate a film's critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes and determine if the movies are better or worse than their reputation suggests. I'm Jason Konigsberg of PenAndSlam.com. And I'm Rich Tola. And Rich, you picked the movie, and so tell us uh, about what we'll be discussing today. Uh, so this week I picked Mannequin from 1987 uh the reason i picked it is because i remember liking this movie years ago when i saw it um and we had talked about in february around valentine's day doing a romantic comedy and we didn't do one um and uh so we i chose this one since it is a romantic comedy and it is a movie that oh also the 35th anniversary of this movie uh, was just recently too. We I saw that on Twitter, um, and also I didn't realize this when we were talking last week. But apparently, this movie is very hard to find right now. It's not available to rent or stream anywhere that I could see. Uh, you could buy it, obviously, but um, not digitally. You'd have to buy a DVD or a Blu-ray. Um, but yeah. So um, anyway, that's really why I picked it. You know, I like. 80s movies and this is one that i remember liking as a kid haven't seen it in quite some time uh so i thought it'd be one that we could discuss since it is rotten on rotten tomatoes yes and it's very rotten what's the score for this one 20 percent. not the worst we've ever reviewed but it's down there yeah what's the worst one we've ever reviewed was it dirty work at like 13 percent, or maybe king ralph i think that was really low um yeah one of those two one of those really two low. okay so one of the ones i picked um all right, so, yeah, um, I had seen this movie, at least most of it, or parts of it, pieces of it, but once again, I haven't seen this movie maybe since, probably not the 80s, but certainly the 90s. It was probably playing on USA Network or TNT or something, and I just had the TV on one afternoon or evening and just let it play, and I remember thinking it was fine it was okay um i think i remember the song or the soundtrack more than uh the movie itself um funny mm -hmm. though that you mentioned that it's the 35th anniversary of mannequin today february 27th the date that we're recording this marks the 35th anniversary of one of the best horror sequels i've ever seen uh can you take a guess what movie is celebrating its 35th anniversary today um, so it's 87, right? Maybe February 27th, 1987, yes. Uh, is it one of those, uh, George A. Romero movies? Good guess, because you know me. <laughs> but you yes. are, you're like, I'm thinking Jason likes George Romero in those Dawn of the Dead <laughs> movies, yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. No, it is not a George Romero movie. It's a series that I'm pretty sure you're as familiar with this series as I am. And it's, I would consider this the best sequel of the series nightmare on elm street the third you, one you got it nightmare on elm street 3 the dream warriors <laughs> great movie great uh song and music video as well so uh yeah, docking yeah, so yep you got it so yeah um but back to mannequin now so yeah i don't have you know a certain love or affinity for this movie i guess i mean is this one that you watched a lot as a kid growing up did you have the vhs did you watch it with friends was it how how did this movie make an impact on you to where you wanted to revisit it for this podcast um i don't I don't know. I don't think I ever owned it on VHS or anything. I remember seeing it a lot on TV, I guess, or cable. And my older brothers, at least one of them liked it. I don't know about both of them. Um, so I just remember it being like on a lot and, and seeing it a lot. I remember I, there's a sequel to this movie as well. Mm -hmm. um, because this movie did make money. Uh, yes, this though, was a hit. It was a surprise yeah. hit. And uh, from doing my research on it, like even some of the stars, some of the you know the cast and crew, they thought, oh my God, this is going to be so terrible. This is going to bomb. And a lot of people, including like the studio and, you know, uh, was surprised that it turned out to be a hit. Um, so yes, it was a, and a substantial hit. I think it, 
budget was maybe like 10 million or something it grossed like 40 something million so that was a lot you know for 1987 um yeah definitely um so i do remember seeing the sequel too which is it nowhere near as as you know you can say what you want about this one the sequel's worse okay i've heard the sequel is awful mannequin 2 on the move it has christy swanson whom i mean she was popular in the early to mid 90s the original buffy the vampire slayer Um, right and and she's she's beautiful too yeah she's she's gorgeous i always thought she was gorgeous um but uh okay yeah so the second one is really bad all right it's no short circuit (laughs) 2 i don't like short circuit 2 either Oh, okay. Then it's no Home Alone <laughs> 2. There you go. No Home Alone Okay, too. all right, all right. So, okay. So, yeah, I don't have much history with this movie, but uh, I did rewatch it, and uh, it's, uh, well, well, we'll get into that, so. Um, all right, so the year is 1987. I'm sure we watched something from 87. Is that the one year we skipped? I'm not sure. I'll go over what won Best Picture that year. I'm not sure if it's a movie you've ever seen, but I do recommend it. The Last Emperor. Did you ever see that movie? Or no, hear of I it? did not see okay. it. Okay, about, it, about the Last Emperor of China before China fell uh, to communism. Uh, it's, it's a good movie. Uh, I think it holds up pretty well. Um, my favorite movie of 1987 would be Oliver Stone's Wall Street, which also came out that year. Michael Douglas won Best Actor for that. And then other big movies from 1987. Maybe if I mention some of these, we'll remember if we did one from this year. Um, but we've definitely talked about these movies for sure. Uh, so some big titles from 1987. Predator, Robocop, Princess Bride, Running Man, Full Metal Jacket, Fatal Attraction, The Massive Bomb Ishtar, uh, Dirty Dancing was a big movie from 1987. One of our favorite comedies, I think, Spaceballs. Uh, Lethal Weapon Mm -hmm. came out in 1987. Uh, And it was a big year for horror movies as well. So I mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Hellraiser, Lost Boys, Near Dark, Evil Dead 2. A lot of uh, good horror movies there. And also, oh, Sean Connery won Best Supporting Actor for The Untouchables, Good Morning Vietnam, Robin Williams, a very good movie, and Moonstruck was a big movie that year. Cher won the Oscar for Best Actress. So, yeah, 1987 was a pretty solid year for movies, I think. Yeah, and I don't remember that, talking about a lot of those movies, so this is maybe the first 87, the year of 87. Somehow we skipped that one. We've done a lot from 86. We've done 88, we've done 84, so yeah, alright, so that was, uh, yeah, this is 1987. Um, Question, why do you think this movie is not available anywhere? Because you said it was available on Netflix recently, correct? It was, yeah, like very recently, like within a few months. Um, Mm, Okay. I I don't know, I, I mean, I was... Just by watching the movie, I mean, there's nothing in it that I, I felt would be a reason why it would be, like, canceled or anything. Oh, like see, that. there were two things that I thought stood out. We could, when we get to it, we could, we'll, we'll talk about that, but there are two definite things. This movie could not be made today. There were a few things, but there's two big than things, any other movies that Yeah, you're correct. I, I think King Ralph has some offensive bits, um... Short Circuit. (laughs) Short Circuit, definitely. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so... But I think this... Like I said, uh, there were... Yeah, there were some things in it where I could say, okay, but not enough that I I felt like it should be uh, unavailable to watch anywhere. Yeah, Um, yeah. So maybe it's just a rights issue. Sometimes movies just, you know, the rights, I don't know, they don't renew them or they they have issues and... They don't, you know, so maybe there's just something going on with the rights. And we know the soundtrack was big. So when we get to talking about the movie, the soundtrack, I believe the song, the big song was a reason why I think it got an Oscar nomination. It did, yes. Okay, Starship, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, got an Oscar nomination. All right. So, yep. And that was a big, big song in the 80s, and I mean throughout the 90s. Even now, if you're listening to some 80s station or something like that, you'll probably hear Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now at some point on the rotation. Yep. Um, so, all right. All right. Um, so let's talk about the cast. Um, and the director, that'll be a quick conversation. The director will be even quicker than the cast. Yeah, this doesn't have a <laughs> yeah. huge cast, but I mean, I think you could probably talk more about the main leads than I could. In fact, I think this, this cast is more of a rich cast than a Jason cast. 
probably uh, uh, well, yeah, I guess. Um, well, the lead is Andrew McCarthy, right? Um, he, him and Kim Cattrall are the lead. Um, Andrew McCarthy is a big was a big name in the '80s. Kim Cattrall was another big name in the '80s. Um, McCarthy was in Pretty in Pink. He was in Saint Elmo's Fire. He was in. Um, uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. That's yeah. my favorite Andrew McCarthy movie, and I like Weekend at Bernie's too, as well. Yeah. So that you know, big name in the eighties. He's in a lot of stuff. There may be other things too that I can't think of, but you named uh, everything I could think of. I didn't really look up uh, his filmography, but you named whatever I would name for him. So. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at it now. Class, I remember. Oh, Lesson's... I remember that with Rob Lowe and uh, yeah. uh, Jacqueline Bissett. Yeah, that, I remember liking that movie. Once again, I haven't. I think I've seen uh, that about as much as I saw Mannequin prior to this. So, less than zero. Did you ever see that? Heard it was good, based on Brett Easton Ellis's novel. I've actually never seen it. Me neither. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much him in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of the brat pack. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked Weekend at Bernie's. I, I think he's he was very good in that. That's probably one that we could do on this. I, I'm willing to bet that's rotten. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, Kim Cattrall, you know, found success later in her career with Sex in the City. Uh, but was a big name in the eighties. Yeah, I, which is ironic so that she, 90s. yeah, she, which is ironic that she found success, yeah, late nineties, early two thousands with, um, with Sex in the City. Um, I'm surprised that uh, she, or do you know why she didn't come back to? Because now there's a Sex in the City reboot on HBO. Do uh, you? And she's I, I, the only cast member to not come back to the show. I, I have no idea. Okay, yeah, I'm guessing it must be something really bad. She must really. Hate Sarah Jessica Parker or vice versa or something. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm sure there's probably some kind of a falling out. Yeah, you've got, what is it, four or five women <laughs> that have to get a lot yeah. of, you know. Uh, so I guess they hear about, you know, troubles with women, roommates living together and stuff like that. This was uh, probably a lot of egos there. But that's certainly the role that defined her. Yeah, I feel like she had a... she. Uh, sort of hit her most successful years after when most actresses have their most successful years, sort of in her forties, I would think, uh, when that when she was on that show when it started. Um, any other notable movies with Kim Cattrall? Like that's that's definitely the role that defined her career, Samantha from Sex and the City. But uh, any other movie roles that stand out with her? I could think of two. I was gonna say I, I two come to mind: Porky's and Police Academy. Okay. Ah, uh, <laughs> what about Big Trouble in Little China? Uh, you would know that better than I. Uh, I, I okay. didn't even know she was in that. Okay, she's the female lead in that. But once again, never you know all three of those movies, good movies, and you know, uh, two of those three were you know big hit movies at the box office. But I guess, and one is a definitely a cult classic. But um, I feel like yeah, she never really had a role that defined her, and I think she really liked Mannequin from what I read because this was her first leading role. Where she's like mm-hmm. the lead female. She's not Porky's. She's you know has a it's a small memorable role, but a very small role. Um, Police Academy. She's sort of a female lead, but she's not a main character. Um, no. And I guess she's the female lead, but definitely second fiddle. She's the romantic interest to Kurt Russell. Um, I'm sure she was in other movies. What, what has she done? Has she done movies since Sex in the City? I can think of one movie she did that I actually uh, liked and liked her in. Uh, can you think of anything that she's done? Well, in, in 91, she was in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Oh, I forgot. Yes, and she got into a fight with Leonard Nimoy. I guess her Samantha character is really how she's <laughs> what she's like in real life because she was taking uh, nude photos on the bridge of the Enterprise and Leonard Nimoy... Oh f- yeah, exactly. He freaked out. He ripped up the pictures he destroyed the film he yelled at everyone to get on this isn't what star trek stands for and he's right and i don't know what i I certainly i guess if i saw that i i don't think i'd react that uh volatile Uh, but uh he was yeah yeah, leonard nimoy was not happy with that and she 
Yeah, so I, I do like that. And she was because she was Lieutenant Savick. She was a different actress played her role in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Um, but I'm, I'm the Star Trek guy of the two of us, obviously. Any yeah. other movie roles? She was in a movie that I liked called The Ghost Rider with Ewan McGregor. Pierce Brosnan plays the Prime Minister of England. Um, Roman Polanski directed it. Uh, it's one of, you know, he's now canceled and for good reason, I suppose. But um, yeah. he, he definitely, uh, you know, talented filmmaker and he directed uh, that was one of his later movies I think that came out in 2010 The Ghost Rider um, anything mm-hmm. else that she's notable movie roles that she's done because no, I do feel like that really. gave her a second you know a second life but I guess it was all just Sex in the City yeah because there's really nothing else here that I recognize that stands out okay alright yeah I forgot about Star Trek oh, oh well um, yeah so that's Kim Cattrall um Moving on, we have Estelle Getty as uh, Claire Timken, who is the owner of the department store that uh, Andrew McCarthy works at. Um, I She is in, and I only remember this because you said this last week, she is in... Uh, Stop or my mom will shoot. I'm sure she's in other things. but that's, I'm sure she is too, but I can, yeah, I can literally only name two other things she's done. Of course, The Golden Girls, which was a very famous show in the 80s and 90s. And yes, that's, you know, because that show was such a hit that led her to her biggest movie role of her career, which was uh, Stallone's mother in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, Other than that, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Still getting. Was it just me or did she remind you of Judge Judy in this movie? Yeah, her appearance, maybe. Appearance, talk, demeanor, yeah, maybe a little less bitchy than Judge Judy, but she just, I don't know, she, I felt like at times I'm like, hey, that looks like uh, Judge Judy, so. Um, yeah, she hasn't been in that many movies, she, but she has, like, notable movies, um, Tootsie, Mask, in the 1985 movie. Okay, I definitely have seen both of those, and I don't remember her in either of them, so maybe they were small roles before she was famous, because I don't think she got famous until Golden Girls. Yeah, that 85 was Mask, and I think that's when Golden Girls started. That sounds uh, about right. So. Mannequin was 87. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot was her next movie in 92. Okay, so a big break, but in the meantime, she was probably making more money than she ever made in her life doing yeah. Golden Girls. So, yeah, okay. All right. Um... G.W. Bailey, what do you what do you know him from, Jay? Uh, of course, the Police Academy, and he played the same. He's played basically the same role in three <laughs> <laughs> the Police Academy series. So that you know, if you however many movies he was in of that, and of course we did an episode on Short Circuit, and he was basically the same character in Short Circuit, and he's the security guard here for this department store. Basically playing the same part he played in Police Academy as well. So he was just riding that for as long mm-hmm. as he could. Uh, so, yeah. Is there anything else you know him from? <laughs> no, those are the two. The Police Academy movies. He's in several of them. Yeah. And um, the uh, and the one we just said, uh, Short Circuit. And then this. I mean, yeah. and you're right. He basically plays the same character in all, all three movies. He's like Arlie Ermey. He started that shtick in Full Metal Jacket, and he yeah. just wrote it for 20-something years. Although I liked Arlie Ermey a lot. So, uh, and yeah, I was and he's like, been he in a lot of other things. things. Yeah, okay. So, But he's definitely had his shtick. He was in Toy Story, for crying out loud, Arlie Ermey. He was the voice of the soldiers. The he little... was in Fletch Lives. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I've only seen that once, so and I did like it, but you uh, you definitely know that better than me. Um, yeah. But uh, so speaking of, he was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Biel, so and once again, pretty them. much doing a sh- yes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the beginning, uh, which I liked both of those actually. I didn't like either, but I would say I actually liked the second one better than the Jessica Biel uh, straight. Yeah, the second one I thought was really good. Okay, all right. Yeah, did you see the new one on Netflix? No, I haven't. I do not recommend it, but uh, whatever. That's another discussion for another time. And one other actor I think is worth mentioning from this cast. Is there anyone else you were going to say? James Spader, obviously. Yep. Yep. Big name in the 80s, resurgence leader with The Office and Blacklist. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember him from? My favorite James Spader movie is probably one that you and most people haven't seen. Uh, David Cronenberg's Crash from the 90s. Um, he made a lot of like weird offbeat movies in like the 90s and 2000s. Um, 
but uh, he was in a movie called Secretary with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, he was in, uh, what else did I like? He was in a movie with, uh, Madchen Amick called Dream Lover. So these, like, weird, erotic <laughs> thriller movies, uh, yeah. from, from that time. Um. Stargate. But, you know, I never really liked Stargate. That was a big movie for him. That was a big hit. Yeah. I never really liked, and I like Kurt Russell, as you know, but that, yeah, that just didn't do it for me. Um, what else did James Spader, like, big good bad or otherwise from him because he's definitely a big name and in the 80s he was in pretty in pink he was the jerk in that movie right yeah he was in wall street but i don't remember that's right yes i do remember him in wall street he's one of the brokers uh charlie sheen goes to visit him i think charlie Sheen. oh yeah 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 i do something from him or something yeah one or two scenes yeah he i do remember him in wall street so that was probably a big role for him at the time uh anything else no i think that's pretty much it for him that I that I know him from. Okay, yeah. So whenever I think of him, the first movie I think of is the Cronenberg Crash uh, movie. Not to be confused with the 2005 uh, much maligned Best Picture winner Crash. Uh, very, very different movie. You haven't seen anything like Cronenberg's Crash. It was NC-17 for good reason. Uh, oh, jeez. So, yeah, I don't know if you would... Uh, and I don't, I'm, I don't think it's rotten. I don't think there was many Cronenberg movies that were considered rotten. So I want you to see Scanner. That I think you would like. So, all right. Um, Misak Taylor is Hollywood. He is the window dresser at the store. There's um, another reason this could have been canceled. That character is yeah. such a stereotype. Oh my god! <laughs> but yes, uh, um, I, I guess he was. And I thought I, James Spader, good talented actor. He could do drama. He could do comedy. I don't think he. I think this might be his worst performance in a movie. I think it was intentional, but he was really bad in this. Yeah, he. It could have been anybody. I oh, but I, it, it was I, he just wasn't. I think he was. I, he was definitely trying. I can't say he wasn't trying, but I think he was intentionally trying to be bad. And uh, yeah. That, yeah, it just it it really was. Yeah, very very unlike the usual. It's the anti Pretty in Pink where he was cool, you know, bad guy. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, Misak Taylor. I think the only credit I remember seeing from him was the Designing Women TV series, which I vaguely remember. I you know I remember hearing about it. I don't think I ever watched it. So yeah, and he was in the second Mannequin too. Oh oh wow, they carried his character over. Jeez, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> oh man, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, and then Carol Davis plays uh, the girlfriend. Um, and then the only other person is the guy that owns, uh, I don't have his name here, but I can find it. Uh, the guy that owns the, um, rival store, uh, Illustra. Yeah. Okay. I remember what he looks like. What else has he been in? He was the doctor in, um, in, a, in one scene in, um, the, the Santa Claus. When oh, he goes I don't to the remember doctor. that at all. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I saw the movie, but I, you know what, I don't think I've seen that movie since the theater, maybe, at least not straight through, so yeah, so that's a long time ago um, with Tim Allen, Um, but yeah, okay, and was was the woman, Carol, what's her name? Carol Davis, I don't... Has she done anything else? Okay, yeah, I don't, I think I looked her up and I didn't see a title I recognized other than this. Um, And then the, uh, the director only has three credits to his name, which is odd. But I think um, I've seen all three of the movies he directed. Can you name the I other two? I definitely have. So okay, you definitely mean, have too. Okay. <laughs> and there, none of them are particular. I would say Mannequin's his best one. Uh, oh, so I, I would say by a long shot. Maybe. I agree <laughs> with you by a long shot. So tell, tell us what the other two titles are. Well, Mr. Nanny started the Hulk Hogan. Hogan vehicle, Mr. Nanny from 1993. <laughs> Am I right? 92, 93? Yeah, 93. Did you ever see Mr. Oh, you did see Mr. Nanny. What did you I think saw, of Mr. Yeah. Nanny? Uh, I, you know, I probably haven't seen it since like 93 or 94 when I was that age. I don't remember much. I remember probably liking it as a kid, but I don't remember much about it. (laughs) As much of a Hulk Hogan wrestling fan as I used to be, or I I like it when wrestlers try to become actors, I actually didn't see Mr. Nanny until I was in my 30s. 
Oh and, god. Oh uh, god indeed. What a, it was <laughs> terrible. It was worse than I imagined. Um so I, I do have one Hulk Hogan movie that's not Mr. Nanny on my list that we could do for a real big mistake in the future, possibly for season three. Uh, but it would not be Mr. Nanny, because Mr. Nanny was really bad. And now the other, what's the director's name? Is it Michael Gottlieb? Yeah, Michael Gottlieb. Okay, and Carl Gottlieb is his brother, and he wrote one of the best movies of all time. Do you know what movie he wrote the screenplay to? No, but did we talk about him before? I don't think so. He wrote Jaws. Oh, okay. And I think he wrote a few other things. I think he, I, I want to say he wrote the Steve Martin movie, The Jerk. Don't quote me on that, but do quote me on he wrote Jaws. I'm pretty sure he wrote Jaws. So, yeah, talented screenwriter, um, at least for, for Jaws. Um, and uh, the other movie that Michael Gottlieb directed is one of, and this movie I saw as a kid, and I saw it with my sister, and it was like, I don't know, it was whatever, some movie we were going to watch together for some reason. And my God, it was so terrible. And I don't remember. She was younger than me. I don't. I, I don't think she likes it. But it does have a notable cast. What's the other movie that Michael Gottlieb directed? Um, the um, a kid in King Arthur's Court. Yes, and you've seen that. I have. I, I don't remember much about it. I remember it had the kid from. Uh, um, Oh, God, what was the other Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year, who would later go on to be in the American Pie movies. Yes. Um, yeah, so it had him. I don't know his name, but it had... First of all, it had King Arthur was an old man. If you know anything about Arthurian legend, King Arthur, I, it's like Jesus. He doesn't... I don't think he lives past 30. Um, so that was one problem <laughs> there. Yeah, so I think Joss Ackland, who played the, the old guy in The Mighty Ducks and the villain in Lethal Weapon 2, who goes, diplomatic immunity. He's King Arthur. Um, it okay. has Kate Wynn. Winslet and introduced me to Kate Winslet. It has Daniel Craig. It has, I'm trying to think who else is in it. The bad guy who's the terrorist in True Lies. So I recognized him. I was like, hey, that guy. Uh, so, So it does have a good cast, but... Man, is that a bad movie. So I, I think I, if I had to pick, I think I'd rather watch Mr. Nanny over Kid in King Arthur's Court, from what I is recall. The, uh, is the other Hulk Hogan movie you might like, is it No Holds Barred? It is not. I don't like No Holds Barred. Particularly. Uh, okay. That's if you get a chance. That's a movie that's worth seeing just to be, out of curiosity's sake. If you're a Hulk Hogan fan for some reason, so no, that is not. Have you seen No Holds Barred? No, but then it must be Suburban Commando. I like Suburban Commando. And yes, I've seen. I saw it when I was a kid, and I've seen it as an adult. And so I guess nostalgia is is hard with that one, because um, I do enjoy Suburban Commando for what as ridiculous as it is, I do enjoy yeah. it. So, um, but uh, all, right. all right. So that's the cast and the director. Uh, anything else about Mannequin before we get into uh, doing the movie? No, I think that's it. I'll read the. Uh... The little uh, synopsis, and then uh, we can get into the movie itself. Um, so the movie is, well, the synopsis is that Jonathan Switcher, played by Andrew McCarthy, an unemployed artist, finds a job as an assistant window dresser from for a department store. When Jonathan happens upon a beautiful mannequin he previously designed, she springs to life and introduces herself as Emmy, uh, played by Kim Cattrall an Egyptian under an ancient spell. Despite interference from the store's devious manager, played by James Spader, Jonathan and his mannequin fall in love while creating eye-catching window displays to keep the struggling store in business. Uh, so that's pretty much the movie, too. I mean, we can just skip right to the end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, the window uh, <laughs> displays do look pretty good, and some of the music yeah. is pretty good. I'll say that. Uh, what did you think about them filming in uh, Philadelphia? Now, have you been to that department store? It is now a Macy's. It was a Wanamaker's, and now it's a Macy's. And we're both familiar with South Jersey and... Uh, uh, um, Philadelphia, uh, being from New Jersey. So, Rich, what uh, have you been to that particular Macy's? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, 
I kind of wish I did. I didn't even know it was actually filmed in Philadelphia. I knew the movie took place in Philadelphia. Okay. But yeah, really I was, not... yeah, I've been to this one, and it's a huge, it's sort of like, you know, it's their version of the big Macy's in, uh, in New in York City. Manhattan, exactly, with the windows and what they do for the holidays. Yeah. So I've been in there. It's the Philadelphia version of that. Um, so it's nice. It's worth checking out if you're in the city around Christmas time. You who appreciates Christmas so much, I think you would appreciate it. Um, I'm so sure. yeah, and and of course, since you, you, I don't know how much you appreciate this movie. We haven't gotten to our verdicts yet, but you who somewhat appreciates this movie enough to pick it, uh, you will probably find uh, some of that interesting. At the time, I did not know that this was where they filmed Mannequin, but it, it, this is a very poor, poor man's version of Rocky Three with the statue and all of that sort of thing. So it's a very poor man's Rocky, if you in terms of Philadelphia movies. So. Yeah, I wrote uh, in my notes. I wrote Philadelphia, uh, uh, a movie that is not Rocky, or a movie by M Night Shyamalan. Hey, there you go. Right. Okay, because <laughs> I, I mean, feel like yeah, they're the only yeah. movies that take place in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, yeah, you may have a point there. Uh, Trading Places had a, a most of it was Philadelphia. Uh, That's true. Trading Places was Philadelphia. There, uh, there's others. The but... movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington obviously, was yeah. obviously Philadelphia. But yeah, for the most part, I feel like a lot of movies are New York or L.A. and that does get tiresome. And yeah, but but I do think Rocky is the best movie uh, to take place in Philadelphia. So agreed. And yeah, I was gonna um, say most would probably agree with that. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So the movie opens up in Edfu, Egypt. Never heard of it. Um, After but, lunchtime uh, or something, right? Doesn't yeah. it have like a fun title there? Yeah. A really long time ago, right before lunch. Right before lunch. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, uh, Kim Cattrall's character is introduced. She doesn't want to marry somebody, a camel dung person or something like that. And now right um, away in the first 30 seconds, you didn't stop and think why this movie might be canceled. Again, I, I could see that, but I don't think it deserves to be canceled over that. I obviously. agree, but this is clearly whitewashing. Okay, Kim Cattrall oh, yeah, is a sexy, white, blonde lady, okay? Right, There's nothing not Egyptian, Egyptian about her. She's not even the remote, the least bit ethnic looking. And they don't even try. Like, they don't even give her, like, the Egyptian eyeliner. You know, that stereotypical, you know, ancient Egypt look that they did in sort of Ten Commandments or, you know, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, those movies. They don't even try to make her look Egyptian. She just no, looks like and a blonde, a pretty blonde woman from the eighties is what she looks like, and that's that. I agree, and I don't even know why they would, why even make her Egyptian? Like, what? Just make her not like pick somewhere else. Make like, her a princess is... from Sweden or Germany exactly, or something. Yeah, you know, like... they have princes and princesses <laughs> and royalty there. Yeah, here's what I could think: maybe because Egypt was popular in pop culture at the time. I'm thinking Bangles Walk Like an Egyptian. I kept thinking that they maybe they would get the rights to that song and put that in there, but they didn't. So uh, what year was that song? It had to be 86, 87, 88. And I feel like it was, you know... Yeah, I don't, I don't know the year that. I don't know out, the history sure of the Bengals, but yeah, yeah, I know two songs by them, Eternal Flame and Walk Like an Egyptian. So, oh, and Manic Monday. Three songs, thank you. Three, <laughs> three songs by the Bengals. All right, thank you, Rich. I definitely know that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, but that's the only thing that I could think of is maybe that was popular, and they're just like okay, or I, whatever. Or get an actress yeah. who's nowadays they would get an actress who's Egyptian looking, and there or if they more... wanted Kim Cattrall on this, they just wouldn't make her from Egypt. Like again, it had nothing to do with really the plot. Like I don't know why. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. Well, the movies have been canceled for whitewashing. So, and this is a, a practice that's as old as Hollywood itself. Okay, I'll never forget Orson Welles uh, didn't want to make Charlton Heston a Mexican in Touch of Evil, but <laughs> you got to do what okay. you got to do if you got to get your movie made. And it's a fantastic movie, but you, you know it's Charlton Heston, and he's clearly not Mexican. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't care how dark you dye his hair. Uh, so, all right. So that was the right away. We're at the beginning. So we haven't even gotten to the opening credits yet. So keep going. So she doesn't want to marry someone. She pleads to the gods and then a storm comes and she just disappears. And we don't know what happens to her. 
And then there's an animated opening, and you had mentioned I like movies with animated openings. I it, didn't even remember that that, that that was a thing in this movie. It looked very um, similar to One Crazy Summer's opening. However, with One Crazy Summer, the, the animation was sort of part of the plot, and it pops up in throughout the movie. Uh, this, it's literally just a weird, funny, like almost like a James Bond title sequence, but it's all animated, goofy, uh, lighthearted. And then there's zero animation the rest of the film. Yeah, didn't really fit in, didn't really make sense. <laughs> but I did notice afterwards, and I went back and I tried to rewatch it, I think afterwards, aren't we seeing what she was doing during the time between when she disappeared and then reappears in a department store window? It's possible. I think I there's Columbus, even... there's Michelangelo, there's Michelangelo's David. I think there was some, like, I guess it's we're following her... Through okay. these moments of history, which she later on says that she witnessed and encountered, like she knew Columbus, I think. But it's it's not if it's if it is, it's not the you know best, most yeah, accurate, and, and well done, right? Yeah, so. And and I didn't even realize that, and I also didn't know. Uh, I didn't remember all those lines, so I wasn't okay. really looking for that. But I mean, if it was my first time watching the movie, I also wouldn't know. So and I didn't. But when she said uh, that, I'm like, huh? I do because I did remember seeing like Michelangelo. Okay. You know, and her being on a boat, or it looked like three boats, or something with Christopher Columbus. So some there's there's it's it's kind of there. All right. So then it makes a little bit of sense. A little bit of sense. Yeah. But yes, I agree. Not you know not as good as one crazy summer's animation use. There's a Belinda Carlisle song playing over the opening credits in my wildest dreams, which I'm not familiar with, but it sounds like a standard '80s song that probably mm-hmm. might have been popular at the time. Yeah, most of the soundtrack sounds like it could have been popular in 1987. So yeah, um, like we said, only one of the songs has you know maintained. Nothing's gonna stop yeah. us now. Yep. <clears throat> um, so Jonathan. So then the, um, after the opening credits, we're in Philadelphia. Um, Jonathan is fired from his mannequin job. He, he actually makes the mannequin that, um, appears to be, or looks like Kim Cattrall. Um, but then he's fired cause he's taking too much time on it. And then he has several new jobs. That's the little montage of him getting fired from multiple jobs. Um, his girlfriend kind of breaks up with him a little bit, um, or says that, you know, she wants the time to think about how she feels. So it's like the beginning of Dirty Work a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. It actually is, you're right. <laughs> um, very, very, very simple. Mannequin <laughs> influenced Dirty Work. <laughs> yeah, who knew that Norm MacDonald was a mannequin fan? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Uh, so then he sees one rainy night, he sees the mannequin he created in a department store window... So he goes there the next morning to try to get a job. Uh, meanwhile, there's some kind of mishap with a, a hundred year anniversary sign that is being hung and the sign is swinging. Uh, and he actually saves the owner of the store from getting hit by the sign. And then he kind of jumps on it. Um, so then she gives him a job for kind of saving her. Uh, so now he's working in the store. He ends up falling in love with his creation um and then um he also meets hollywood montrose the window dresser the homosexual um like you said very cliche um another person that probably wouldn't be in a movie today right no and does he ever take off those obnoxious different sunglasses that he has i think every single scene we don't see his eyes he's just got those crazy sunglasses yeah i think every scene he he has the sunglasses even the scene where like he's like all right i'm gonna have to do something i don't want to do or something like that and like reveals that he has a suit on yes that was outfit. funny that was that was actually a funny part i remember laughing yeah, at that yeah me too and then, but even then he kept the, the glasses on so i mm-hmm. think he did he did have them on the whole movie yeah um a couple other people he meets at this time um the security guard <clears throat> who we talked about earlier, who is in the Police Academy movies, his dog and his dog Rambo. He calls him Rambo because he likes to draw first blood. Did you like that one? Yes, I did like that line. That was a, <laughs> that was a clever line. Very 80s once again. What year did Rambo come out? Well, the first one was 82. Yeah. The, se- okay, so. the sec- uh, 85 was the second one. 
And then the third one was 88, I think, or 89. So, yeah, everyone knew who Rambo was, or in First Blood, yeah, so. Okay. Um... Then, randomly, he's, you know, out on the window working on, talking to the mannequin, and she randomly just comes to life. <laughs> um, and they um, create a storefront window, but then she turns right back into a mannequin, and, you know, he's kind of confused about what's going on. The, the storefront window that they create is a huge hit. Everyone's coming to see it. Um, he stands up his girlfriend, in fact, when he was doing that. Um, so she was upset about that. She works for the competitor, which is Illustra. <clears throat> Illustra looks like a very 80s store with like neon signs and mm-hmm. very like a very much 80s department store. Yes. Um, and I was not surprised to find out that it was actually filmed in a Boscov's. Have you ever been to a Boscov's? Yes, store? I have. Yeah, yeah, that's a department store, yeah. It still has neon signs like that. Oh, really? Okay, that I don't <laughs> recall. I don't remember that. I think they're like renovate. There's one in the Monmouth Mall, and uh, we were. I was in there recently, and I think they're renovating it, so maybe they're taking them down. But I did notice the neon signs and thinking, like, <laughs> wow, that's really dated. <laughs> okay, all right, they need to update that a little bit. Yeah, okay. yeah, but it is a department store. It's in the Philly area, and okay. oh yeah, they're they're area. yeah they're all over. Yeah, they're all at least all over New Jersey, yeah, Philly area. New York area. Um, also, and here we go. The second reason why I think this movie could have been canceled. It's a feminist nightmare. This woman comes to life and she's every man's fantasy and every man's dream. So it's like a, a sex doll, blow up doll that people wish could come to life. I, I, I could see women losing like feminist women losing their mind over the concept of this movie and finding that offensive. Well, and, and how about the guy that works with the ex-girlfriend who is basically sexually harassing her the entire movie? Oh, yeah, he's horrendous. That's a good point, <laughs> too. Yes, okay. So this is very not politically correct. I think this might be... Yeah, this is worse than the moments in King Ralph, I think. So Possibly, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is pretty bad. Because um, you've got uh, homophobia in there. You've got racism in there you, with the whitewashing. You've got, uh, you know feminism you know but yeah. i'm sure feminists would would find a lot of issue with this um so but it's 1987 it's a product of its time so i guess in that respect it, it works in serving as a time capsule as i've said a lot of other movies that we've done here uh do so there's right it's bad not like that. it's yeah. doing anything crazy egregious or anything you haven't seen before but definitely like you said couldn't be made today yeah, yeah. There's, we've, we've listed a number of reasons. It's not like it's just a one-scene thing. Oh, you could cut that out. You know, like if it was to be on Disney+, Plus. oh, you could censor that or take that out. No, this is throughout the whole movie. Uh, it's, it's yeah. these, these trends continue. Um, but it does it all so nicely and, you know, harmoniously. And, you know, right, it doesn't have cruel and, yeah. intentions. No, it does not. It just, it looks bad but, <laughs> yeah if you look at it from a from the point of view of of today's society yeah it doesn't it doesn't look good doesn't has not aged well so no 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 for sure all right well go on yeah what what, what happens next uh so we also find out james spader is working with illustra as well kind of behind you know he's, he's like a double agent kind of um he is uh he wants the the store that that jonathan works for the main character is called princeton company i think Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he wants, uh, David's, uh, James Spader's character wants Princeton Company to fail, even though he's the manager of the store, because he is in cahoots with, uh, the boss at Illustra. Uh, so he's planning on, I guess, you know, taking out Princeton Company, so Illustra will have the uh, best store in town, or the only store in town, I don't know. But, um... Uh, eventually, Jonathan is promoted to uh, visual merchandising because uh, his windows are, you know, the talk of the town. Uh, you know, each one is better than the next. He's doing them all with, um, with his, um, <clears throat> with his mannequin. Obviously, um, I think 
did I miss the uh, the montage? No, not yet. It's about uh, Felix is asked to uh, Felix is the security guard. Uh, James Spader tells him to watch him closely because he's working at night. Um, then there's a dancing montage with the two of them dressed in costumes. I thought that was pretty everything. good. It was, yeah. Hmm. Um, I forget the song. I didn't know the song that it was. I didn't. The only song that I really know from this is obviously the one that we mentioned, Starship. Nothing's gonna stop us now. But all the other songs are good. They're all. And they're all yeah. They sound like '80s songs. Correct. Probably. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not like you mentioned, uh, Belinda Carlisle. So they're not. You know, they're not no names. Or if they are no, they sound. You know, decent '80s, cheesy, harmless enough, kind of. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And obviously, the, the biggest one that comes on at the end of the movie. Yeah, which uh, I was kind of disappointed at. I would have thought that they would have, you know, done that while they were working together. Uh, or while he was yeah, riding his motorcycle yeah. with her on the back. I'm surprised they waited till the end credits. to. Then that's the only time we hear that song. But I guess maybe they didn't know it was going to be the hit. I'm, I'm not sure. So Yeah, I know. I do remember I, seeing I, the I video. For that song, did you did you ever see the video for that song? No, but I heard that the the actor that played Hollywood was in it. That I don't remember, but I know it's it's basically like the plot of Mannequin. It has clips from the movie, and it has like the band going through like you know um, what? Yeah, they're they're doing gotcha. a lot of the same things that they were doing. And like the mannequins are coming alive, and yeah, so it's it's clearly for the movie. And I do like that about the eighties, like. Every movie seemed to have a theme song or was uh, some sort of associated with a theme song. Even like, you know, hard-hitting dramas and action movies and stuff like that. They all had a theme song. They spent their money on that because they wanted to sell albums, sell soundtracks and that sort of right. thing. So now they just don't care about that. So Because the music industry is different now as well as the movie industry. Yeah, definitely. So... <clears throat> but yeah, I, I do miss those, and and each one of them, like you said, we had spies like us, we had Ghostbusters, we yep. talked about, um, yeah, you know, and all of them had videos that tied into the movies too. But even like I don't know, like William Friedkin's To Live and Die in L.A. It's like an '80s cop drama, okay. That had a Wang Chung did a bunch of songs for the soundtrack. Um, so lately, like Beverly Hills Cop, that's a big one. 48 Hours, you know, they have the good Eddie Murphy movie, Beverly Hills Cop 2, you know, big hits. Running Scared with Billy Crystal had that uh, Michael McDonald song, Sweet Freedom, which I think is hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> check out that video. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, they had always, every movie had some sort of a theme song because the market tie in. I think that, I remember watching i think that started with flash dance because flash dance that was like the the song was a hit and the movie was a hit so it was sort of symbiotic they played the move the song the you know constantly on mtv and then the more they played it on mtv the more money it made at the box office so it was sort of <laughs> helping it out that way somehow um and then other movies tried to copy it top gun there's another big one that we've done from the 80s that yep. you know definitely soundtrack huge at least as big as the movie yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. Um. So the um, like you said there's a dancing montage with them, kind of building up their chemistry. Like you said, it's a good scene. Um, we find out there that she only comes to life for Jonathan. I don't remember when we find out, but at some point it's determined that she's come back throughout the years. Uh, yeah, she when she talks in, about Columbus and you yeah, know, Columbus and Michelangelo yeah. and um, yeah, so it's not the first time that she's ever, I guess, presented herself. But she's always, I, I don't know if she's always not been a, only been able to be seen by one part. I, I don't know. They don't really go into that. Too much. No, it's it's. I don't think this is really the detailed. If <laughs> Star no. Trek nerds would go crazy if they really tried to analyze this movie and figure out. <laughs> You know how it works, like the Terminator theory, how Terminator could never really work. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Roxy, the the girlfriend's name is Roxy. She offers him a job at Illustra. Jonathan, he turns it down because he wants to, you know, he wants to stay with his mannequin. Um, then the uh, Roxy and the sexual harassment guy sneak into the store. 
I love um, that. That's his name, the sexual harassment guy. I am. Yeah, all he does is sexually harass this that's woman. That's literally the whole movie. That's all he's doing. And then he, when he almost gets his way, he, she finally, he, I can picture women losing their minds over this nowadays. He wears her down and she's like, yes, okay, let's do it before I change my mind. And uh, <laughs> now there's so much going on, he can't yeah, get then it up. Yeah, then he's battling impotence. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. But anyway... Uh, so they sneak into the store. At the same time, they're in there. Felix catches um, Jonathan with the mannequin. And, you know, as he's kissing her, she, he shows up. So she turns back into a mannequin. So it looks like he's making out with the mannequin. Um, then Roxy takes pictures of this as it's happening. And Felix then gets into a fight with Jonathan over this. Because uh, he's so angry that... Uh, uh, that he's messing around being a pervert. I don't know. I guess he's, they're all very upset with him for doing that. Um, so Felix fights him. The mannequin ends up uh, knocking him out or something like that because she was behind him so she, he couldn't see her. Uh, then it's a little weird that the scene with her flying on the hand glider f- felt like it took forever. <laughs> okay, yeah, was, um, yeah. With her like circling around and she was flying. She always wanted to fly, so she was flying through the store. On yeah, I guess glider. it wasn't the best. That's a good point. Yeah. But eventually she comes down and knocks out Felix, and he ends up uh, getting, I guess, knocked out. And, and I think the next morning they find him sleeping still. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, they do, yeah. I think he gets fired. Yeah, so he he gets fired, and James Spader's character gets fired because the jig is up, and they realize that you know that there something's going on with those two. So they both get fired. Uh, meanwhile, illustrious sales are down because of all the um, positive windows at Prince, so they're losing sales. Jonathan is promoted again to vice president or something like that. Um, Felix and James Spader are officially hired by Illustra. Uh, Felix's job is to steal the mannequin. Uh, Roxy starts getting jealous of this mannequin, um, which is, you know, she even though she doesn't believe that she is real, she's still jealous of how much time Jonathan is spending. We're talking about the mannequin. Uh, Jonathan goes out on the town with Emmy. There's a there's a car chase scene. Um, what did you think of that whole scene when they when they're like riding through the town on the motorcycle? Eh, nothing. It, it wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. It was yeah, just, it was just it, fine. It was fine. It's not Blues Brothers car chase, but it's also yeah, not it's not. It wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, Felix ends up kidnapping the mannequin, and uh, they bring her to Illustra. Jonathan goes to Illustra. Roxy tries to destroy the mannequin. Felix goes after Jonathan. Um, did you like how or uh, Felix's new dog is Terminator? Uh, you know from, what? I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> okay. Rambo, Rambo to Terminator. And then when he unleashes Terminator, it just runs right by the guy. <laughs> okay. I did not pick up that he changed the name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a new dog. Okay. Um, Hollywood shows up and hoses down the security guards with a um, fire hose so that Jonikins can save the mannequin from going into the shredder. It's like this giant like trash shredder thing that was mm-hmm. destroying mannequins. Yes. Roxy threw the mannequin in there because she was jealous of her. Um, and uh, Jonathan ends up saving her, although her curse is somehow broken. Again, no explanation as to why. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's no no use in figuring that out unless no. It's, uh, here's the answer. It's a movie. Exactly. <laughs> I used to have friends would say that to me. Here's why it happened. It's a movie. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <clears throat> well, this movie took that concept and ran with it. Yes. Um. <laughs> So her curse is broken. She can be alive with other people seeing her. Um, the police come. They arrest all the bad people. And all the good people are not arrested. And <laughs> then uh, they get married in the window of a store. And that's when the um, Starship song comes on. Nothing's going to stop us now. Now, do you know another song by Starship? I think I know one other song. 
Uh, I do. Um, we built this city on rock and roll. That's it. That's the only other one. Yeah, and Grace Slick was the vocalist. Do you know who Grace Slick is? Um, no. Should I? Jefferson Airplane. White oh, Rabbit. Yeah, well, Don't you want somebody to love? Yeah, same same vocalist. Well, yeah, because Jefferson Airplane turned into Jefferson Starship, which turned right. into then just Starship. Just Starship. Yep. Exactly. So I thought that was all one band. But was it? I mean, who? Knows? You know what? I could. I, that I'm not sure of. Okay, I did know there was. Well, I guess maybe as people there. came and went, the names changed. The name, maybe they did that. Okay, yeah. So, uh, but what but, were the songs of that uh, that you just said could, that were famous? White Rabbit. White Rabbit. Yeah, and um, uh, oh, God, somebody to love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. All right. She had a long Um, career in music, so yeah, this was one of the many hits, yeah, for her. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Myrtle Beach, they were playing at like. uh, Did you ever go to Myrtle Beach? I actually have not. No. Okay. There's this like big like outdoor area with like shops and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was like there was like a Hard Rock hotel there and stuff. Uh, but they were playing outside. Uh, at a free concert, Starship. Very cool. I don't know if that person was present, but. Okay. The person, the lead singer, but, um, you know, I don't know if that person's still filming. And have we, I was going to say, I know Grace Slick is still alive. What year was that? Oh, God. Probably somewhere between uh, 2000 and 2005. Somewhere okay, in that so range. very long time ago. All right. Yeah. So about 20 years ago. All right. So. Yeah. Okay. So that was Mannequin. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, quick so, scene, quick play-by-play. I mean, it's only an hour and 29 minutes, so it's not a big time investment. It's a pretty easy watch. You know, it it's, is. It's yeah, a it is. romantic comedy. It's not expecting a lot out of you. No, and I do think that I feel like, at least for me, the beginning was really good, and then somewhere towards the end, I perked up and started paying attention again. That There was sections in the middle that just, I, I don't know, it was kind of like a little, you know tough to sit through just i found myself getting bored in the middle yeah so i don't know yeah, if you I felt agree. that way you agree okay yeah good beginning good ending good you know third act but then somewhere in the middle somewhere between the 35 and 60 minute mark i i just you know i was watching but i guess i was zoning out as i was watching it and yeah maybe that's yeah. where i missed certain things yeah so um all right so i picked the movie so what did you think I could go either way on this one. It's harmless. It's fun. I think I enjoyed it more than Short Circuit. So because of that, I'm going to say it is not a real big mistake. I'm going to say the music was good. Kim Cattrall, even though she has no business playing an Egyptian princess, uh, she did a... She was good. Uh, She was... That was the performance to save her in the movie. Um, And I think she does more in this you know, than she did in her other 80s movies, uh, especially more than she did in Porky's and Police Academy. So so I think this was a nice showcase for her. Um, And I think fans of Sex and the City and fans of, you know, that are fans of her should seek this movie out. I think fans of the 80s, if they're, you know, nostalgic for the 80s like you are, I definitely think they will enjoy it. Um, Would I think a 17, 18-year-old kid today would enjoy it? No. Uh, Would a 10-year-old kid enjoy it? Maybe. I'm not sure. They might have a lot of questions. Um, (laughs) Because, you know what, even retail isn't what it used to be. So... That's true. I mean, they still have we still have department stores. We have Macy's and Boscov's and you know uh, uh, Nordstrom's and places like that. But uh, I just I feel like it looks really different. Like this is what shopping looked like in the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. What I remember going to the mall with my mom and stuff like that. You know, it's just different now. So uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's not a real big mistake. I could go if. If someone ripped it apart and hated it, because like I said, the whitewashing, the feminist, anti-feminist themes, the homophobic sentiments, uh, the stereotypes, eh, you know, but I'm shrugging my shoulders. And if you want to call me insensitive for that, well, uh, okay, Uh, but uh, from for what it is. 
I had enough fun with it. I smiled enough times watching it. Uh, the music was good. The acting was good. Uh, the costumes were good. So for me, it's not a real big mistake. So you're probably surprised by that, aren't you? I am, actually. I thought for sure you would have hated this movie. In fact, there were times where I was like, oh, Jay's probably was probably cursing me out. <laughs> no, the only time I did that was when you made me watch Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Other than that, true. I really have not regretted any movie that we've watched <laughs> to the point and, where I was angry. <laughs> and I didn't know that you had seen this. I thought you had never seen this before. So I'd I thought seen it was the pieces first time. of it. I, okay. You know, this is the first time I know I watched it from beginning to end in 90 minutes straight through uh, mm-hmm. without commercials. Okay, so yeah, I, I've seen you know i was familiar enough with it i was familiar with most scenes i probably had seen it you know all all, i don't know but i knew enough about it to know yeah and i remember liking it you know thinking it was fine and i still think it's fine i certainly don't hate it and i certainly think that if you like these types of movies it's not bad so for that it's a you know a thumbs up it's a it's not a real big mistake so now what's your take now that I surprised you uh, and because I'm not this, you know, hater of fun movies. What's your take on your pick? <laughs> um, so I so the audience score on this movie is 55 percent, which I'm surprised too. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised about because it was a It was a hit. And it had a, it was a hit on VHS tape as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it, it wasn't like it was just a box office hit and then you know everyone went away. It it, it had a legacy. You know, yeah, it has definitely. A legacy. Yeah. So. Um, so I'm surprised that's there. Uh, I I like you um, would not be surprised by or, or would not even you know put up a fight against somebody who ripped this movie apart. But for me, like you said, and I'm pretty much in full agreement with you, it's not, I'm, I don't think it's a real big mistake. Um, I do think, for all the reasons you stated, really, 80s, nostalgia, good soundtrack, um, harmless story, um, you know, there well, are it could definitely... be offensive. Once again, it could be offensive, but I guess the love story is harmless. The there, story so, yeah. itself is harmless. The, yeah. the choices by Hollywood... Uh, to some of the you know the lines of the homophobic the um, the obviously the whitewashing yes those things the sexual harassment which I said is constant throughout for that one character. <laughs> his name is sexual harassment guy we don't know it his real well name be. all yeah. he does is sexually harass that woman yes <laughs> so yeah. but uh, so whatever um, karma <laughs> yeah yeah so um, you know for those reasons i could see someone not liking it again i think it's just a, more of a product of its time than anything else I, you know i obviously don't condone that kind of stuff um but back when this movie was made that was not something that was those those things were not something that was it were were a big deal or or were things that you couldn't do in movies mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that it's it's fine i i i didn't I don't love it. I don't love this movie. I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite 80s movies, but it's definitely an 80s movie. It's not a bad 80s movie and I think that it's, you know, it's it's a fun watch when you know, if you're in the mood for the for a romantic comedy and if you like 80s movies, like you said, these days I I don't know if like a 17-year-old today would like it, probably not at all. But um, you know, if you're an older you know, if, if you have a nostalgia for the 80s or you like the 80s, this is definitely an... Or, or you like the anyone in the cast that's in this movie. Um, it's, you know, I think the cast, other than James Spader, all does a pretty good job. Yeah, I agree. And he's probably the most prolific actor that's in the film other than Kim Cattrall. He's probably, you know, he's Him and he's Kim had Cattrall a long are probably equal yeah. in terms of their careers. Yeah, they both had long careers. They both had hit shows. They both had been in, you know, some big movies, some not so big movies. So, yeah, they've yep. yeah, All right. Yeah, very he's sort of like the male <laughs> version of Kim Cattrall career-wise, success-wise. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's Mannequin. We're in agreement, and I think Rich is stunned by this. Yeah, I didn't think you would be on board with it. 
I wasn't sure. I enjoyed the first, I, I saw the whitewashing in the first 30 seconds. I was like, okay, whitewashing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's see where it goes. And I didn't remember that she was from Egypt. I, that whole part, like, I forgot all about that. Okay, yeah, I don't think I remembered it either. Or if I did, I certainly, in 1990-whatever, when I saw it on USA Cable Network, uh, I did not, uh, you know, the whitewashing. Yeah. I don't think that was a term I knew. Okay, I thought. Well, no, they're, no, no. They're washing the. They're washing the. What are they doing? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have understood. I don't think that was a term around then that people used. So yeah, so it, it was fine. It's a fine movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a good enough movie. <laughs> so right. Yeah, there's exactly. worse ways to spend ninety minutes. Yeah, or, exactly. It's yeah. a short run time. To, you know, that's right. yeah. I agree. Okay. All right. All right, so that does it for Mannequin. So what are we watching? Do you know what we're watching next week? I do, I do. I was conflicted between three titles. Uh, One movie celebrating its 20th anniversary. Actually, tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of of this movie that I was thinking about picking, but I'm not going to pick it. And with Russia invading Ukraine, I was very tempted to pick something completely different. Uh, That is also considered rotten. Um, But instead, I'm going with the movie that I like the most out of all of these movies, the one that I want to watch the most, the one that I want you to watch the most, and the one that I think is probably, well, maybe most popular with people our age, maybe not the most popular overall, and it's celebrating its 20th anniversary, uh, 20 20, uh, years ago this month, February 2002, it came out. I am doing... uh, Well, wait, before, before you announce it, uh, so we have two weeks left for the season, right? So this is yes. your last pick. This is of my the last season. pick. Yes. So this was. Okay. Yeah. Yep. This is All my right, last pick of the season, and I'm we're looking at the 2002 comedy <laughs> Super Troopers. Oh wow! This is rotten. That's rotten. It is considered rotten, and it is on Amazon Prime, so anyone can watch it if you have a Prime membership. All right. I haven't seen that one in a while. I, I didn't see the second one. Second uh, one is good, but not as good. Okay. So, in my opinion. So, all right. Wow. And this is yeah. a movie I'm very familiar with. I remember watching it a lot with friends in college. So, I have a history uh, with this movie um, and quoting this movie. So, we'll see if it holds up. Uh <laughs> 20 years yeah. later, but, uh, and I didn't see it in the theater, but I'm pretty sure I saw it when it came out to video, DVD, HBO, whatever. Um, and friends of mine had it and, uh, definitely we watched it a lot or we'd just be hanging out at, you know, someone's house or someone's dorm room. And that would be one of the movies that was in the rotation that we would just put on. So, yep. All right. Well, that's next week. Super troopers. Uh, for now, uh, I am rich Tola. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Real Big Mistakes, and that's it for me. And I'm Jason Konigsberg. You can find all of our podcasts and all of my reviews and articles at panandslam.com, www.panandslam.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jason K Critic. Live long, prosper, and watch movies. All right. Thanks for hanging with us.